I wanted to tell you a little bit of who I am, how I got here, uh, my association with the Bible College, uh, what the Bible College was like 20 years ago when I attended. It was a far cry from what this is now. Susan Jackson was there and has not changed a day. Um, okay, thank you. We used to call her Ma Jackson, and she seemed so old then, and she seems so young now. Um, I guess I'll begin by telling you I'm a farmer from Paradise Valley. I also dabble in ranch real estate. I grew up in the Paradise Valley. I grew up in solid churches that taught the Bible. I heard all the stories, sat through the sermons, um, and grew up in those wonderful churches. But I did not have a relationship with Christ, I, which is part of what gives me my passion to work with young people now. I uh, went through high school, managed to stay mostly out of trouble, went to college my first year here at Bozeman, because that's what everybody does when they get out of high school is they go to college. Well, after my first year, I got a letter from the dean of students that said that my presence wasn't necessarily required anymore at MSU because of my academic failings. So I was lost. I didn't know what to do. I hadn't gone to church that whole year. In fact, my first day in the dorm at North Hedges, my phone rang, and it was Pastor Blake, who was the college and career pastor at that time. My pastor's wife asked him to call me. I let Pastor Blake know that I really wasn't too interested in attending church right now. I was exiting that authority of my parents, and I was looking for who I really was. Um, So I didn't attend church that year, floundered. Got a job after that, floundered in that, and my dad finally stepped up and said, why don't you come back to work, live at home, but one of the requirements is you come to church with us. Well, I had grown up in that two-year period, and I was actually able to listen to what the sermons said, to what Pastor Harlan preached, and God was starting to work in my life. I didn't really realize it at the time, but he was. Well, um, that summer... Harlan was bringing his son Shad over to check out the Bible college. I had registered at MSU to try and take another run at that, still not knowing what I was going to do. Harlan suggested that I go with, and so I didn't have anything to do, so I came over to check out the Bible college. Uh, I was talking to one of the secretaries and said that I was actually registered at MSU. I was just kind of over here to see things, and Harlan stepped up with a gentle, maybe not so gentle nudge and said, "I I think you need to be here this fall. Well, God worked, and within two weeks, I was at the Bible College. Let me describe to you what the Bible College looked like at that time. There were about 20 to 25 students. Most of us were 18, 19, 20. Some were what we thought were old men, students over traditional age that were late 30s, early 40s. That's where I'm at now is late or early 40s, and I'm not an old man. Um, But we met... You can digest that one for a second if you'd like. Uh, We met in the basement at Grace Bible Church over at the hangar, 8 West Olive. All of our professors, I think all of our professors were full-time pastors, part-time professors, including Ryan's dad, Ron. Uh, One of my favorite classes was family relationships with Ron. And and, um, God worked at that time through those men who were willing to take time out of their busy schedules to be professors at the Bible College. Our chapel was much smaller than this, um, but God worked. God worked mightily. Um, After I had been at Bible College for about a year, 
and was digesting all this stuff that I was learning, God was showing me that my relationship with him was two-dimensional. It was all knowledge. It was all information. It wasn't a real relationship. At the time, the recruiter for the Bible college was a man by the name of Rex Heckel. Does anybody know Rex? Great man. Um, our dorm at that time, one of the dorms for the Bible college was a trailer house at a Coons Trailer Court. Before the stoplight was in out there, it, if you can imagine trying to get on Huffine at 8 o'clock in the morning without a stoplight out there, it was a nightmare to try and get to class every morning. That's why we were always late. At least that's what we told our professors. Rex stayed with us when he wasn't on the road, and we had a college and career retreat up at Augusta. And I had to work, so I rode with Rex the next day to get to the retreat. And he was telling me about some ministry that he was involved with and talking to these young ladies about, what would you say when you stand in glory, to, you know, to go with the old analogy, God's standing at the gates, and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? And it was at that moment I realized that there was nothing that I had done or could do that would want God to come in or let me go to heaven. There was nothing that I could do. And that's when I realized, if you've ever seen those movies where they change the F-stop on the camera and everything goes from focus to out of focus or the background you know, disappears back, it was almost like that moment for me where my relationship with Christ went from two-dimensional to three-dimensional. It was a relationship. It was out of thanksgiving that I would perform these acts of service, that I would worship Christ. It wasn't because I was trying to earn my way into heaven. It was because he had already paid the price. And I had an opportunity to spend eternity with him because of what he had done. And anything I could do from that day on would be out of a a mindset of thanksgiving, a mindset of thankfulness. So... I uh, spent that weekend in deep contemplation. And all the Bible stories that I'd ever heard as a kid, all of this two-dimensional knowledge that I'd received as a kid, and in Bible college even, was starting to fill in the gaps and become a beautiful tapestry of God's grace. And all this knowledge that I had before was becoming this relationship with this Savior now. So... um, I continued to go to Bible college, work my way back into MSU. That's when I met and married my bride of almost 18 years now, Rochelle. We have three kids. Brady is 16. He's as tall as I am and will probably be larger than I am before long. Uh, my daughter, Gabrielle, is 14, and my youngest, Elise, is 10. Um, just as a sideline, God led my wife and I into um, therapeutic foster care become certified therapeutic foster parents through Yellowstone Boys and Girls Ranch. We had a couple of youngsters that spent five months with us. Um, They turned one and two while we had them, and they've changed our lives. We're now contemplating seriously adoption, partially because of the beautiful picture that it is of what we go through when we are adopted into Christ's family. Um, Think about that. I have to tell you the story of how I met Gail. I forgot to say that. Um, we put together a youth retreat for our youth over in Shields Valley, and the pastor from the other church lined up the speaker, and he told me his name was Gail Heidi. I thought, wow, that's kind of an interesting name. And uh, the day of the retreat, I walked up, and I shook Gail's hand and introduced myself as Corey, and he said, Corey. 
isn't that a girl's name? <laughs> so that's how our friendship started. And Gail is right. Um, I guess I would almost call us kindred spirits because our personalities are very similar. And I know the struggles that Gail has because I know the struggles that I have. So it's, it's been a very special friendship. Um, but I do have to remind you that Gail has two girls' names. I only have one. So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, these guys are fresh audience. I don't need new material for a fresh audience. So where I am now, uh, we're going to get out early today because I don't have a lot of material. Uh, where I am now, I am... Uh, blessed to be a part of the Board of Elders at our Wilsow Community Church. Um, I got to know Dr. Carlson. I guess it's not doctor yet, but President Carlson because he was our interim pastor for six months while we waited on a new pastor. Um, my responsibilities include teaching. I periodically teach the adult Sunday school class. I also work with the youth. I mentioned that I have a passion for youth, um, partially because... I was one of those young people who thought that they could be God's grandchild. My parents loved the Lord. My grandparents loved the Lord. And I thought that that was good enough. Um, so my passion for youth lies in the fact that I want all the, the young people that are under my tutelage to realize that they are responsible to have a relationship with the Lord. They can't rely on anyone else they can't rely on their parents or their grandparents or their friends. This is a very personal relationship that they need to have with them and their creator. And nothing else will suffice. Um, and that's why I remember Gail so well is because I don't remember specifically what he talked about at our retreat, but I can remember the passion with which he provided it. And that speaks volumes. Um, it's important, remember in Luke 16, the Lord tells us that we need to worship in spirit and in truth. And if all we have is truth, it's not going to go too far. We need to have that spirit. And I'll touch on that later uh, when I wrap up. Um, I guess the challenge that I have for you this morning is, this is my, my illustration, my hammer. I've got friends that are contractors. And I've seen them drive framing nails and ring shanks with one or two good spike, good pounds, good strokes. You know, if you've ever seen somebody that knows how to use a hammer, it's kind of an amazing thing to watch. Um, I've seen them use the same hammer to drive a finishing nail into trim and not mar that trim. Okay? This is a powerful tool in the right hands. Think about the fact about this can also be a very destructive tool in the wrong hands. Think about a two-year-old and a glass coffee table. Think about a juvenile delinquent in a car window. You are here to learn how to use this tool. This is a tool that God has given us. God has chosen to reveal himself to us with this tool. Now, in the right hands, this tool is infinitely powerful. It is the word of God. It is complete. It is perfect. It is... In this, we're told that we have everything we need for life and godliness. And if you learn how to wield this tool correctly, you can accomplish great things for God. By the same token, when I was coming out of Bible college, and I had a lot of friends in Bible college at the same time, um, we enjoyed debates. We enjoyed arguments. 
unfortunately, we learned how to use the word and we leaned a lot on truth and not on the spirit or the love behind the truth. And so think about the damage that you can do with this tool. And I guarantee you that if people associate damage with this tool, that's the greatest harm you can ever do to them. Because they won't necessarily remember you, but they might remember the damage that's done to them by someone who doesn't handle the word correctly. Uh, I mentioned Luke 16 before. We're called to minister, or we're called to worship in spirit and in truth. You all are looking into the ministry in one form or another. Um, that's one of the things that bothered me when I was at Bible college is I had all these friends that were headed to the mission field or they were thinking about the pastorate or they were thinking about some ministry like that. And that wasn't for me. I didn't, I didn't have that passion. What I did find, however, is that I had a passion for the local church. And that's where a lot of you may end up as lay ministers or as some type of a ministry leader or even just ministry support. That is every bit as valid of a ministry as any missions work or any pastorate. God has called you to a specific place. Um, Where I was going with that, you'll have the opportunity to use this tool. Make sure that you're wielding it correctly, but also make sure that you're wielding it with love. That's one of the things that I remember about Gail's presentation, like I said, is I don't remember exactly what he said. But I can remember his passion and his love for those young people. And that's what you can communicate to other people when you use the word to communicate about God. Make sure that that love is there. When you have the, the uh, discussions or the confrontations or the debates, you'll have a pretty powerful grasp on the word. You'll know what it says, where it says it, and how it says it. My encouragement to you, my admonishment to you, is make sure that you're always wielding that tool with the love that it was written with. Because if you wield it as just cold, hard truth, it can be damaging. It can be destructive. Um, I don't know. I guess I don't really have a whole lot else to say. Um, If you guys have any questions, I'd be glad to answer them. I would encourage you to be involved. I guess one of the things I wanted to say that I'd forgotten. I sat where you're sitting 20 years ago. At that time, I had, at that time I had uh, friends that were on fire for the Lord, that were walking in what appeared to be a wonderful walk with the Lord in truth, uh, fellowship. Uh, since that time, some of those friends have gone home to be with the Lord. Since that time, some of those friends have completely walked away from the Lord. These are people that were in leadership and ministry, people that from all appearances were vibrant, healthy Christians who had an active ministry, have since completely walked away from the Lord. Um, There but for the grace of God go I, and there but for the grace of God go you. Cherish every day that you have, enjoy Christ, and continue to look to him because He's the author and finisher of our faith. And if we forget that, um, there but for the grace of God go I. Okay? I will pray and dismiss us, and I'd be glad to talk to anybody about questions about rural ministry if you have them. Um, My struggles right now revolve around 
how to communicate truth to a 16-year-old that grew up in the church and has some pretty good answers for all of my uh, statements. But uh, I'm excited for you guys. I'm envious of you. You have your whole futures ahead of you. But please don't forget that this, this Bible is a tool and uh, can accomplish powerful things if used correctly. So let's pray. Father, as we continue to commit our lives to you, we're thankful that you are the author and finisher. We're thankful that you work in spite of us, not because of us. Our desire, uh, Father, is to follow you, to glorify you, and to enjoy you. It's in the name of your Son we pray. Amen.